Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Not only is Bluehost Cloud our fastest web hosting available, but it's also built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, it's The Hash, it's Coindesk TV. I remember how to do this thing. It's been a minute. I'm glad to be back. I'm Zach Seward. I'm joined by Jensen Assey and Wendy O. We're here to do a nice jaunt through the crypto news of the day. And we're going to start off with Wendy on everyone's favorite, Gary Gensler. What did he say this time? You know, guys, I'm just not ready for this Taco Tuesday. This is just upsetting. Well, it's not even upsetting. It's just super annoying. But anyways, SEC Gary Gensler, disappointed by part of Ripple, still assessing opinion. And AI could play a big role in the future financial crisis. So I was just reading the little prompt that I had here because it pretty much sums it up. So basically what happened yesterday at an event in D.C., Gary Gensler said he's disappointed with the court's decision in the Ripple case regarding retail investors. But he's pleased that the part found that the institutional sale of XRP did violate federal securities laws. And then he went on to talk about AI, believes AI could destabilize the global economy if big tech monopolizes its development for financial market applications. But the good thing about AI is we all know that Gary Gensler is incapable of doing his job. So people in AI that are working in that industry, they'll have no problem innovating um, in the United States probably for the next 10 years, because by the time um, the public servants get it together and come up with some form of regulation, it will already have destroyed the United States of America. So congratulations, public servants. I love a good Wendy O rant on a Taco Tuesday. It doesn't get much better than that. Also, welcome back to the show, Zach. You didn't get a proper yeah. welcome back. We missed you. Yeah, we missed you. Miss, Sorry, Zach. I was you too. so you concerned too. about Gary. I had to just go off on him and saying, I love the pink. You look very touristy. You look like, um, you look like you're on vacation still. You look yeah. like an 80s dad. Thanks. It's pretty much what I am. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, there's so much has happened since I've been away. Like when I left, the industry was down in the dumps. And then all of a sudden, the ripple thing happens. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, we're back. It's happening. Yay. And you have Gary doing interviews saying how disappointed he is in the ruling. And hey, that means something. Because when this came out, the SEC said, hey, we're happy for the win that we secured here in uh, 
in this federal courtroom today. So a bit of the, uh, the reality of the situation comes out in these comments from SEC Chair Gary Gensler. But yeah, this feels like a landmark situation where uh, all of a sudden the crypto industry has secured a much needed win and is feeling a bit emboldened, I think, as it relates to a regulatory path forward. Also, I think really, and you know, this is based on comments from people at the Blockchain Association and others, sort of the, the fight really now turns to Congress, right? This really changes the political calculus as it relates to a couple of bills that are currently on Capitol Hill. So to see this go down, to see these comments from Gary Gensler, to see that this court, this judge in New York said basically, hey, despite Gary Gensler's claims that things are clear and just the crypto industry needs to play by the rules, obviously what was stated in this, in this ruling was that, no, that's not true. And we need some legal clarity in terms of what's going to happen. And people are suggesting that that decision by the federal judge in this case could change the calculus for getting Democrats to the table and saying, okay, let's, let's take action here. Let's step up and figure out if it's the McHenry bill or others that provide clarity for crypto assets going forward. So I think for me, that's where really all eyes are pointed to DC to see how this changes the calculus there. But I want to get Jen's take because I'm sure it's a smart one. Zach, with the vacation optimism, I love it. I think it wasn't surprising to see uh, Gensler's comments here. He's obviously disappointed that retail uh, investment on trading platforms were not considered securities. You know, he's been very public about saying that he thinks most of the cryptos out there are securities. So it's obvious that he would be disappointed here. I think that it is also very important to note that this is one judge in one district. Many people who are commenting on this have said, you know, this is not precedent setting the SEC could appeal and so for me, it just creates more confusion. I don't have the same vacation optimism as you, Zach. I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I am just as confused as I was before. As it pertains to the AI comments that Gensler made, I think it was really interesting that he said, you know, what guardrails do exist have become outdated and new guardrails need to be created for AI because we've never had anything like this. And then when we look at how he speaks about the crypto industry, he says, what exists already works for this new technology. The Howey test that, you know, was invented back way back when at the beginning of the 1900s just works. And it's just like really interesting that we have these two really innovative technologies and one needs new guardrails. And, and then Gensler comes in and says, the other one is just fine. And so those are my not so optimistic takes on Gensler's remarks here. I think it's a glass half full moment for the industry. And I think Maybe. most people kind of feel that way. Like the, the vibe, the vibe shift is here. And all of a sudden, Ripple of all people are the firm to deliver a victory that, you know, really puts a crack or, or at least undermines Gary's legal case, legal thinking here, right? That these assets don't inherently embody the characteristics of a security. Indeed, it's how they are involved in various transactions and the facts and circumstances of those transactions, right? You have a judge saying, okay, those institutional sales, they look like one thing. The retail sales look like a completely other thing. So it's not the asset itself. It's the transaction that should be assessed here when making these distinctions. And I think that really runs counter to what Gary Gensler has been saying for months now, that all these things except for Bitcoin are securities. They embody the traits of securities, irregardless of how they are transacted in the market. So I think it's just fascinating to see that this judge has sort of upended that line of thinking. And she has said, hey, no, we really need to think more clearly about this stuff. And rather than applying these blanket rules and blanket categories, I can't, I can't even speak now either. Thanks, Jen. That's it for me. I'm so really sorry. Quickly, the thing <laughs> is, we just keep hearing about we should do this, we should do that, regulation, da-da-da-da. 
but nobody implements them. Did they just talk about it? They've been talking about crypto regulation since like 2017. I remember the big congressional hearing that happened way back when, when I was brand new to crypto Twitter. It was absolutely ridiculous. So it's like, don't talk about it. Be about it. I love or, that, Wendy. Well, we should oh. note that uh, XRP is also being relisted on everywhere exchanges now. So there's that. There is that nice optimistic take for the XRP army out there. But uh, Zach, take us to the next story. We salute the XRP army and we transition to the world of crypto VC. Venture capital firm CoinFund raises a $158 million new fund to back emerging Web3 startups. This according to a report in Bloomberg based on some statements from the firm. So this is interesting, right? Like crypto VC has been in a deep freeze. We have numbers something like 76% down compared to uh, the lofty highs of earlier crypto funding stories. And now we have CoinFund at least raising a new fund. Now it should be noted that their previous raise, they announced one, I think in 2022, a $300 million raise. So there is uh, significantly less interest as it relates to limited partners writing big checks. For coin fund to invest on their behalf. But it suggests that maybe the crypto VC world is coming out of its deep freeze, thawing a little bit and seeing some opportunity, seeing some green shoots for deploying capital, including fresh capital in this instance. So I think that's kind of interesting. And I'm going to throw it straight to Jen. Is coin fund crazy here? Or are they actually an indicator of maybe the tide turning as it relates to crypto VC investment? Yeah, I don't think they're crazy. I think this is a really good indicator of of the tide turning eventually. I think we need to look at the Crunchbase report uh, with a little bit of context. At this time last year, times were very, very different. There were a lot of big players in the space that are no longer here. And there was a bunch of money and value that now doesn't exist, right? And we've been rebuilding since the end of last year. And so I think that comparing this time to this time this year to this time last year, we need to look at some of the events that have happened between then and now to understand where we are. I think because of that, we've highlighted a lot of issues, a lot of problems and challenges in this industry that need to be addressed. And there are people who are building products, who are building companies that are addressing those things. So this coin fund raise is going to be allocated to seed and pre-seed companies. I think they are focusing on the companies that are being built out of, you know, some of the challenges and issues that we've experienced. And I think that that's exactly where they should be focused on. Um, I think if we look at some of their uh, most recent investments that were mentioned in the article, there's a focus on cyber threat intelligence, AI, machine learning, layer ones, layer twos. I think that just makes total sense. And this is an indicator of better things to come than we've maybe experienced over the first quarter, the first two quarters of this year. Wendy? I think that this is just early um, rumblings of the bull run. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we're getting ready. And again, we saw all these companies leave the industry, funding stop, everything kind of dried up. But that's kind of typical for a bear market. And it just drives me crazy because I just don't understand how people don't kind of expect that. So I do think that we're not quite there yet, but I think that this is a sign that things are starting to ramp up again. And a lot of the things, Jen, that you just listed um, that this particular investment investment firm is focused on kind of resonates and makes sense with some of the things I've been telling my audience on the show is that pay attention to AI, pay attention to the layer ones, the layer twos, things that actually have valid utility that solve things, as long as like the digital collectibles, the play to own, those types of things. Keep a close eye on those and to kind of, you know, watch, join their communities, see what makes sense and then, you know, potentially dive in. But pay attention to the people who are getting money and the areas and sectors that they are focused on. And it's not necessarily a bad time to start that diversification with education. 
Lifelong learning. We'd love to hear it. I'm very interested <laughs> to see like what the thesis is from CoinFund and others for this run. I think last time we saw all L1s were the thing, right? Whether it was Solana or Nier, or you name it, right? Alternative, speedier, fastier, fastier. I can't talk again, Jen. I can't talk again. Fastier change that do things quickly. That's kind of segueing out of the zeitgeist, right? We're seeing L1s kind of pivot to L2s. The cello news, I think, drove a lot of conversation around that, right? So very curious to see what that sort of next defining thesis is for a lot of these crypto venture capital funds. What happens when you put an athletic brand, an entertainment agency, and an NFT company together? You get the evolution of the mixtape, a collection of three sneaker models brought to you by Puma, Rock Nation, and Legitimate. The digital products will see sneakers brought to market that give owners access to weekly mixtapes, behind-the-scenes artist content, and unreleased tracks from Rock Nation. Joining us now to discuss is CEO of Legitimate, Calvin Chan. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Hey guys, how's it going? Good morning. We are just having a great Taco Tuesday on the show. Uh, tell us about how this partnership happened. How did you get together with Rock Nation and Puma and decide to make this shoe that gives you access to all these things that maybe we don't always put together with shoes? Yeah, I think you know it. It takes a little bit of time, and, and we have to go back almost like two years. I actually um, started talking with several people over at Puma during the last crypto sort of crypto winter, if you would call it that. So uh, Legitimate's actually been around for you know three years now, and we've been working with brands to to help them understand the technology, connect the dots between what they have been doing with physical products and you know where they're going with this emergence of not even just Web3, but the concept of the metaverse, digital collectibles. As consumers are becoming more and more digitally native, how do brands adjust their strategy to kind of meet them where they are? So yeah, we started a conversation with Puma several years ago. It was just really about finding the right opportunity. Um, we've been working with AJ, Alexander, John for uh, several years now as well as a creative director on the, the partnership side. So he helped kind of... Uh, Connect the dots, and seeing as uh, this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop, it was it was a no brainer. Hey, Calvin, I want to ask you. I'm a I'm a word guy, so I want to just ask you a question about the term fidgetal. Are you a fan of the word fidgetal? I personally, spoiler alert, am not. So I want your thoughts on it, and if there's a better way to communicate again the hybrid blending of the digital and real worlds, what are your thoughts on that term, and what are some ways to improve it? Yeah, totally. Um, I think when I speak for myself, it's definitely not my uh, favorite word. Fidgetal is uh, this word that the industry has adopted to mean, you know, the combination of physical and digital. And I think for a while, we were struggling to find a word that fit. Uh, you know, we tried different things, you know, metaphysical, physical NFTs, etc. And I think as an industry, the, the, the retail industry as a whole has sort of rallied around this concept of using the term digital to describe this new movement in between, you know, the digital space and the physical world. So I think at this point, we've already hit critical, critical mass, the, the momentum's too strong to change the word. And uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do there. I have a question about, because I love music and I think that music is the best, or I think that digital collectibles are the best use case for music. So kind of talk to us about how easy it is for people to access the music and how does the content work and all that fun stuff. 
Yeah, so we take a very specific approach at Legitimate, um, and I think that actually says a lot about the the type of coverage that we usually get outside of the crypto space, is that we believe that the future of Web3, NFTs, blockchain should not mention you know any of those technologies at all. Nobody uses the internet today to say, hey, I'm using the internet. They say, I'm using Instagram, I'm using Twitter, I'm using Facebook, or whatever. So when we came into you know this partnership with Puma, we, we were very cognizant that the customer experience experience is built for a mainstream consumer. You know, we're not talking about pre-mints. We're not talking about buying this stuff on OpenSea. This is a sneaker collection that is targeted towards a mainstream audience. It's distributed across the country at Foot Locker stores in store. So most of the people interacting with these products won't even know what a wallet is, let alone, you know, how to switch to a different chain, how to make sure they can take care of transactions and stuff like that. So we've designed our user experience from the ground up to be very familiar with things like custodial wallet solutions. Uh, we, you know, obviously manage everything from gas to transaction submitting to making sure that confirmations are all there. Behind the scenes, we take care of all the Web3 and blockchain side of things. Consumers just scan an NFC tag, which you know it's compatible with most modern day phones. They log in with an email address and boom, a uh, unique digital experience uh, loads that presents them with an entire mixtape full of tracks, as well as other right. digital content. Quick question, is it expensive though? The uh, sneaker is $130, so it's okay. actually far less expensive than a lot of other you know Web3 branded products out there. Yeah, good. Because I was going to say, I remember those, what were they, like $800 shoes? And I'm thinking to myself, who in the actual heck can afford these? So that makes me happy. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, Dior just Dior just launched, what, like a $3,000 pair, $3, pair of That's speakers, Dior, so. though. I'm talking about there's yeah. a specific brand that they were like, a what was it, like a move to earn something like that? And it was just way, like the barrier to entry was like way too expensive for me. But that's Dior. We're not talking about Dior. We're talking about mainstream. We're talking about stuff that you're doing. Yeah. How many shoes are being released? So for this first launch, there are 16,500 sneakers. Um, that's distributed across uh, all of Puma North America. Between, so Foot Locker actually has exclusive distribution rights to all physical you know, distribution. So brick and mortar stores, you have to go into Foot Locker. As far as I know, I think a lot of the stores have sold out of you know, a lot of the colorways and sizes already. Are you wearing a pair right now? And can we see that? <laughs> I am not wearing a pair, but uh, you could definitely see them if I just go grab them right now. <laughs> okay, do it. <laughs> that was a little fun. Um, you know, I prepped this because you said these were your uh, favorite colorways. But, um, oh, yes. Those are the ones. These are the yellow ones. Yeah. Yes. And as yes. you can see, there is a uh, NFC tag right cool. at the top of the sneaker. Yeah. Super fancy. So scan it with your shoe. And these these tracks that are on this sneaker, they're they're never before heard of, you know, unreleased tracks that Rock Nation curated specifically for this campaign. And by buying the sneakers, you're gonna have early access to the content before anybody else. And we really see this as a way of not necessarily Trojan horsing, but introducing the world to the concept of digital, the concept of uh, you know, provenance. Because ultimately when people buy these shoes, scan thing. They access digital content experience, but we're actually also developing a complete life cycle uh, for this particular product. So in the future, you know, if these things sell on a secondary market, you're going to be able to see how many you know previous owners uh, have got their hands on these shoes, how much they sold for, etc. All right, Calvin, we are going to have to leave it there. I know Zach's going to be running out to his nearest footlocker, so we'll keep you updated on that journey. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. 
That was the CEO of Legitimate, Calvin Chan. All right, let's talk about Binance and a sports deal that they signed recently. They're ending a partnership with Argentina's Soccer Association due to a lack of compliance. The exchange signed a five-year contract with the national soccer team, but said in a statement on Twitter that after an evaluation of the partnership, it was revealed that the ADA did not fully comply with its contractual obligations. Zach, you are our resident sports desk expert commentator. Uh, What do you make of this partnership dissolving? Could something else be at play? Wait a minute. Binance cut this off, not the other way around. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. Fascinating. They're in the compliance driver's seat. Hey, that's a good signal, I guess, to regulators worldwide that they take their responsibility seriously. So I like it. It's a nice little play. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes here. I think we've seen a lot of these big sporting brands who previously were very excited to get crypto names onto their arenas, cough, cough, FTX arena in Miami and elsewhere. We've seen a lot of pullback there. So it makes sense that this would happen. I don't know if this is kind of like, you're not firing me, I quit, or if there's something else going on here. But I think this is very on trend to sort of where crypto is in the sports world and sports world, really having to rethink in the wake of FTX, how eager they are to embrace the crypto market for advertising dollars. So yeah, who knows what's going on behind the scenes here. But yeah, again, on trend for sports to be pulling back from the crypto side of things, given where we are in the market. But Jen, what do you think? Well, I just need to correct myself. Not only can I not speak today, I also can't type. I said ADA, but I believe it's the Argentinian Football Association should be the AFA. I stand to be corrected. It's just, you know, what a day here on a Tuesday. I think that Binance is facing so many legal situations and troubles in so many places around the world that they're looking at their partnerships, they're looking at where they've spent a lot of marketing dollars. And if everything is not going completely as planned and completely as noted in these agreements, they may be just reconsidering the partnerships, holding on to that cash to see what happens next. Of course, we know that they're facing a lawsuit from the SEC in the US, but they are also facing scrutiny from regulators in other places around the world. So I think that's maybe what's happening here. I think in a different world where they weren't facing so much um, scrutiny from regulators, they may have gone to the association and said, these terms of the deal are not being met. How can we work with you to make this happen over the next five years instead of just canceling it? And so that's, I don't know, maybe what could be happening here. Zach, what do you think? I mean, there's also layoffs going on at Binance, right? Confirmed Mm -hmm. layoffs is a pretty significant news development there. Not an insignificant number. I know we've talked about the layoff number uh, across the industry as a whole, topping something like 35,000 since last April, right? This has become a big thing. Um, So there's clearly financial pressure that Binance is potentially responding to here and trying to be like, well, if we can wind this back in a way that makes sense for us, let's do that. So yeah, it's also tough times there financially for some folks who've been let go, but such is business. Wendy, what are your last thoughts on this one? Just bear market things. I mean, people act like there aren't bad sponsorships with sports that have happened in the past, especially with banks. All these banks keep getting fined and there we see Bank of America Stadium or Chase Stadium and whatnot. So to me, it's kind of a nothing burger, just bear market stuff. And I think everything will be okay. Well, especially when I get my yellow shoes at my local Foot Locker, I'm going to be feeling pretty good. I'll, I'll let sponsored. you know what's on the playlist. Not sponsored. I'm paying <laughs> for it on my own dime because Fidgetal is here. All right. That's it for the show today. It's been a Tuesday. Thanks for bearing with us. Good to be back. I'm Zach. That's Jen. Wendy, we think you're great. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. 
We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 